Hey guys, welcome to Astral and Aether, a podcast project by Wild Ochre for intuitive guidance, spiritual advisement, and dream work. Let's dive in. Here we are today. It's 11-11. A very potent day for manifestations, for doing any sort of um, spiritual advisement work, any kind of uh, intention setting for the future or being with your intuition in any way. And as per uh, today, as per the energy of the day, I woke up with very potent dreams in mind. Um, it's a very rough sleep. I was tossing and turning all night and kind of at the surface of my subconscious. And my dreams were really disturbing, not in such that they were scary or that they included um, a lot of gore, that were, they were nightmarish or anything. It was just that they brought up a lot of old memories and it felt like a very healing type of dream. I had a lot of things come to the surface in my sleep. I could feel the clench in my stomach when I was screaming and crying in my dreams. It was very intense and I did wake up with the feeling um, and I thought that it would be potent and uh, poignant for me to record it for the first time and begin my podcast dreams with this dream. So just to start, I have always had very potent dreams and it has been a little while, maybe a couple of years or two, um, that I have been in a bit of a fog and my dreams have not been as active or as demanding as they used to be. But the past couple of days, I have been noticing an uptick in my more active, more subconscious lessening style dreams. Um, dreams were also one of my first intuitive guidance languages I can recall as a child very many of my dreams, um, some of them I wrote down, um, but I also recall being taught how to dream in my dreams. And so I would find myself going to sleep and settling into my rest. And whenever I would wake up in that dream world, in that dream state, I used to find myself in school, in my middle school actually, and it would be in the cafeteria and I'd be surrounded by my classmates, by my peers, the kids my age, and we'd all be at the tables, some would be conversing, some would be playing, but for me, if I happened to wake up in that dream world with a defunct body in some way, shape, or form, Meaning that sometimes in my astral state, one of my legs might be shorter than the other, or I wouldn't be able to lift my head for some reason, or I couldn't speak out of my mouth, or my walk was funny. Any, anything that caused me to have this kind of like just non-functional body in my dream world, I would get plucked from behind 
almost like a giant hand came out of the sky and pulled me from the very back of my shirt and picked me up and all of a sudden I would have no control over where I was going. Uh, they would take me out of the school setting and just pull me up through the sky until the earth got smaller and smaller and smaller and all of a sudden I was just floating through space for the rest of the night. And in my adult world, as I reflect on those levels of dreams, I realized that they were to teach me how to live in my astral body so that I could then in the future explore my dreams in a more conscious state. And that is exactly what happened as I grew up. Uh, my dreams became more involved. They became more conscious. They became um, a lot more colorful and a lot more detailed. And I would find myself with my conscious voice narrating during my dreams and telling myself what these things represented in the waking world. And so I would wake up the next day and have these kinds of insights about how my dreams relate to my physical reality. And they were usually pretty spot on, and I was always very grateful for that. It made me feel like I had this inner world where I could play and explore and enjoy myself and learn new things. Um, and I kind of became obsessed with that for a long time. So sleeping, sleeping is a huge deal for me. I love sleeping. I sleep a lot. <laughs> um, sometimes too much. But yeah, that is my brief history of dreams and we can get into that a lot more at another time but let's dive into what I dreamed last night because it was again very potent for me and very recognizable in that same stream of consciousness narration aspect of what these things represented for me in my waking world. So last night, I dreamed that I was back in my childhood home. I was a young witch, and I had a couple of friends that I hung out with uh, who spent some time with me, but they did so kind of reluctantly. There was a boy in the group who seemed like he was interested in me, but he was really just interested in my abilities and my powers. I seemed to be surrounded by people and family members who constantly decided to neglect and take advantage of me and to belittle me and put me down for who I was. And then, and that same turnaround came back to demand things from me or pretend that they cared, even though they were the ones who were perpetuating a lot of the ills that I was experiencing. And that was very confusing for me. Or not so confusing, it's, it was frustrating because it felt like I could not express myself in the ways that I was being hurt. And yet everyone was demanding to know why I felt like I was being hurt. Not by them, because they could not accept responsibility for any of the pain that I felt, but because they wanted me to get over it and to feel better without doing any real work 
to assist in that process. So in the dream, I recall that I was in my childhood home again. I was in the basement with my friends and I was making a mess and I was very disheveled in my astral body. I seemed like myself, but I was very emo. My hair was all over the place and it was a flashback to when my grandmother used to relax my hair on a regular basis. It was kind of straight, but a little messy which is something that I recognize. I had given up a lot when I was younger. I was very depressed and combing my hair was just not something I cared too much to do. Um, So back in my middle school to early high school days, that was definitely a theme for me where I just covered it up. I didn't want to do anything about it. That is how I existed, trying to stay under the radar and very sad that I just could not have the life that I wanted to have it seemed which was a life of happiness and joy and to be able to explore uh, my space that I was in being able to have fun with the kids who were around me so in this dream I had a direct reflection of those days where all I really felt was confusion and frustration and I didn't really know where I should um, place blame I didn't know where my anger was really coming from. I had already accepted my circumstances or so I had thought about my living situation, about my family structure. I was in pain all of the time because of those abstract or so I thought things uh, like my family members being so far apart, having been raised by my grandparents, my father being further away, uh, having moved out of state. Um, my grandmother and grandfather being a little bit absentee during the day, my little sister uh, in her early days just very much trying to explore what is it that I can get away with um, on a daily basis. And she usually liked to play that game with me and cause a lot of pain and frustration for me um, in our after school hours. So having this constant bombardment of being surrounded by, when I was in middle school, friends, quote-unquote, who um, were very false, and some of whom really did see me for me, and we enjoyed each other and had fun. But of course, as middle school goes, you know, girls can be a little intense. (laughs) Um, And... You know, there were betrayals, there were moments of real pain, there were moments where I was put under the bus in order to try to find popularity and success because it was popular for people to pick on me back in those days. So my high school days were pretty miserable um, from being hit and bullied and having a not-so-fun home life and being sad because of my circumstances, because family members were absent, because my sister had been adopted into another family and I didn't know where she was, because my mom was not present, because my dad was not present, because my grandparents were semi-present, all sorts of things. I felt very alone back in those days. And in this dream that stomach-clenching feeling that I mentioned waking up with, 
that was me screaming and crying from all of the pain and the sadness and the loneliness that I felt in my dreams, all my frustrations that were pent up from now recognizing where all of that pain and loneliness and anger came from and also living in that house with them and being able to see that they were perpetuating all of those ills without taking responsibility for it. It made me feel very crazy. And this dream came after a very long diatribe that I had um, in another dream with a friend where I was discussing the relevance of the history of female hysteria and how in that world in ancient Rome when female hysteria became a coined term and described women who seemingly went mad for no reason and the only remedies for this madness was either to be locked away in some sort of asylum or to be forced into orgasm by a clinical doctor who seemed to be the only one at that time who knew about what a clitoris was. Otherwise, women who had no agency over their bodies were ruled by their fathers, brothers, and husbands. They were not able to own property. They weren't able to participate in industry for the most part. And at any moment in time, should they anger a family member, should they anger a husband, should they anger their father, it was likely that they could be shipped off to asylum, that they could be disowned and put on the street where they still did not own their bodies. They could be picked up for prostitution. They could be raped or murdered. They could be dead in the gutter. Some of the only safe places for homeless women were temples and spaces of service because they offered some kind of religious protection. But growing up in a world where you don't have agency over your body, where you don't have agency over your mind and over your health and success, that is something that still goes on to this day. There are still oppressions that women face. There are still consequences for those oppressions when we act out. But in a larger scale, those same attitudes of feeling trapped in one's reality and not being able to fight one's aggressors who seem to be unseen because it's the whole world, it's policy that creates that reality, also is true for marginalized communities. So when we talk about um, the oppression of BIPOC individuals, I can very well relate that to the history of female hysteria and how the tropes that are so popular among, um, among white citizenry and how we stereotype black people about being angry, about their frustrations, about them acting out, about them being violent, all of those things to me seem directly related to the fact that they live in a world where there is this sort of invisible bubble of oppression that impedes them in every way, that is interwoven into every single system of our reality, our health care, our education, um, our ability to uh, gain financial standing, 
our limited ability to achieve successes if we should follow the same American dream path that is laid out for most of our white compatriots, which is, of course, going through school, getting good grades, going to college, getting good grades, getting out of college with huge amounts of debt, and entering into the workforce in a corporate manner and trying to climb up the ladder so that we can make more and more and more in our financial standing until we find some modicum of success where we can then buy a house and we can potentially own some land and at 40, 50, 60, we can retire with our family and then begin our life of ease. Then we can travel, then we can experience and express ourselves. We can indulge in our hobbies. So the joy comes later (laughs) in that dream. But what I've been noticing is that in my personal world, I have decided that I'm going to choose joy now. And that frustrates a lot of people. In the same vein that I grew up in a space where I lived in a bubble of invisible oppression through my family members and my quote-unquote friendships, uh, I still also had to deal with the political aspects of oppression in ways that I could not understand when I was younger. Um, I did grow up in an all-white neighborhood in New Jersey, and in that space, being one of the only Black people that went to my school and dealing with then the very limited stereotypes that were available to white people uh, that would introduce them to what it was to be Black uh, through television and media at that point in time, it was very frustrating because those things did not seem to fit with me as much. I always sort of wanted them to because I grew up outside of my community and I had no real access to them outside of things like, you know, watching VH1 Soul (laughs) every night after school and trying to teach myself how to whine. Um, But those things were then used as weapons when I was being raised as a child, when I was going to school with these children And a lot of my counterparts, the very few, the handful of brown people who I went to school with, kind of fell into roles of tokenism as a survival mechanism. And it's not something I could ever blame them for, because for me, I recall that the bullying and the teasing and the stereotyping was very relentless. I would be in line at lunch and have people come up behind me and just put their hands in my hair. Um, I remember walking past a kid in one of my classes and he pulled my hair really hard because in his defense, in his excuse, he thought that I was wearing a weave. And I didn't know how to tell him that in my community, a weave is usually a sew-in and that would still not be something that would come out. I, I, I didn't know how to correct him and say, did you mean a wig? Because if you pulled my hair, maybe it would come off. I just don't understand what you're doing or why you wouldn't ask a question instead of taking liberty over my body and pulling my hair and pulling me to the ground with it. I didn't have words for the oppressions and the experiences that I had when I was a child. And so it felt like this constant scream that was stuck in my gut and I was walking around with this painful, 
this painful mask on my face all the time of just sadness. And I was alone so often that I never really thought anybody saw what I was going through. My teachers certainly didn't care. They had a lot of policies back then that did not allow for interpersonal relationships between teachers and students. And so when they were in the classroom and I was getting bullied very loudly, um, it was also frustrating for me to see that they wouldn't do anything about it. They wouldn't step in or try to interfere. And so those pains I carried with me for a very long time. There were the systemic oppressions that I experienced of being the black child in an all-white suburban neighborhood and going to those schools and being looked at as the child who probably needed more attention than the others. And in some ways that was true. I was neurodivergent in ways I learned a little bit differently than my counterparts. It was a little bit harder for me to memorize things that were mathematic. English was wonderful, Spanish was wonderful, chemistry and sciences were beautiful. They all intrigued me and engaged me in different types of ways that I could easily interact with them. But things like math, things that were a little bit more rote, things that didn't involve much interaction when it came to the learning process were a lot harder for me to get a grasp on. And it was from those spaces that I learned that it was almost policy that a child like me would be put into a remedial class without any sort of guidance counselor session or discussion about why I'm having difficulties um so it was kind of just like they slapped me in there after a while and it was again a very frustrating experience to feel oh this is just a result of the way that you look Again, not something I would have understood back then. I just felt like the whole world was against me. Um, but being able to reflect on it now and seeing how I ran across this invisible bubble of oppression um, and how it existed in my world back then discourages me from wanting to raise children in a similar setting. <laughs> but back to this dream... To give a little bit more detail, I recall that in the basement of my childhood home and I was with my friends, uh, the male friend who pretended to be interested in me in a romantic way just because he wanted to experience my power. And like I said, I was a witch in the dream. I was able to make myself disappear. <laughs> if you want to think about the subconscious metaphor of that image. Um... And I was also able to kind of um, make things move with my mind, do some psychic things, make spells happen, speak to spirit, that sort of thing. And that was intriguing for them, these wannabe witches who wanted to feel powerful, who wanted to feel cool. Um, but they didn't actually want me. They just wanted access to what I had. And not even in a way of exploitation. They just thought that being adjacent to it meant that they would be popularized in some way. But whenever I opened my mouth to speak to them about what I was feeling and going through, they were very turned off by me. And so it was a very false friendship to begin with. 
And that was also a point of contention for me because I didn't feel like I could speak up for myself in those spaces and share with them how I was feeling, although I, in my dream state, could understand and see very clearly where this pain was coming from, where this anguish was coming from. And all I really wanted to do was tell every single one of them to go F themselves, just to go fuck off. And I kind of did that in other spaces in my dream. Because again, being very lucid, being very conscious and having that stream of conscious narration voice telling me what was going on in my dream as it was happening, I was witnessing myself interacting with my grandmother, with one of her sisters, with one of my sisters, and being frustrated the entire time. I just recall especially my grandmother's sister coming up to me and trying to counsel me and and acting like they're being a friend um but when i share with them my frustrations about the world around me about my family um shutting me out completely and damning me for um feeling any type of negative way about my family and so becoming another oppressor in my life another person who was throwing negativity my way another person who felt like I was undeserving or I was ungrateful or that they just could not understand where my pain was coming from or how it worked or why I had it and so in this dream I was so messy I was so rebellious I didn't listen to anyone I was so tired of being attacked all the time emotionally um, by my family members and by these friends and so I just more and more and more and more and more went into spaces of isolation and I just became less human and less human and less human throughout the dream and so sad and so sad and so sad and I could feel the scream growing louder and louder and louder the more interactions that I had with these family members who just seemed to want to come up to me and tell me hey you need to let go of the past you need to let go of these things you need to let go you need to let go you need to forgive you need to forget I don't want to take any responsibility for what I have done in your life but you are not okay and you need to figure this out and in my waking state I can appreciate that as being a double-edged sword type of message in that in the way that spirit works very often a lot of people will come into your life to play certain types of roles that help you get through your lessons and your patterns. So I do recognize in the waking sense that any lingering aspects of that deep scream, that sad frustration, that invisible oppression that I interacted with as a child, the way that I held it in my body, might still exist today. And I need to, after this recording, go into my meditations so that I can see where it exists in my body, how I might be able to uproot it and release it so that I can allow those spaces that have been stagnant for so long to gain a little bit of healing. And I will do that um, in this 11-11 day, probably take a nice little bubble bath and meditate uh, through that process. But the other aspect of it is the frustration that even in the dream, as in the waking world, none of these beings in my life are going to take responsibility for their actions. Um, not anytime soon, at least, not any time that I'm able to recognize in my foresight in this 
current moment. And so there's the frustration of having to be the one that does the work, having to be the one that lifts myself up um, after having been surrounded by all of these people who are supposed to be helpful in shaping my formative years and supposed to be a support system even now who are not, um, who are highly abusive in their own ways, in ways that I can't quite blame them for because they experienced the same oppressive bubble and interacted with very similar frustrations that I had, experiences at least, and they interacted with those things in their own way. And I just ended up being kind of tossed around in the flotsam and jetsam of their lives um, in this way that made me feel very insignificant. But those were their experiences and their lessons, and I don't have to take responsibility for them because I did not actually participate in them. Um, that was all in their world. The way that they reacted from that space uh, towards me, however, that is the place where I will always just have to recognize and not necessarily seek solace from. There is no reconciliation and there is no healing work that I can initiate with those individuals without their prompting, without their understanding, without their base acceptance or admittance of their role in my world. And that is frustrating to me because how can you force someone to see something that they do not want to see? I will never do that to anyone. I am not in a space of trying to make people take responsibility for their actions. That is something that I have always wished vehemently that they could learn how to see themselves. I still have hope for those things. I still have hope that anyone and everyone has infinite capacity to change, although it is very hard work. They just have to choose it. And until they choose to do any of that work, it's very hard for me to interact with them and to continue the perpetuation of that abuse. So I have uh, rightfully distanced myself from those spaces and allowed myself the healing of self-care and um, working through my own uh, trauma from this lifetime as well as the generational trauma of dealing with that uh, silent oppressive bubble that we talked about earlier and so having this dream was just very potent for me because it made me recognize that I need to put these things down and I need to stop indulging in this narrative of being invisible and unseen and unheard because like right now with this podcast aspect I'm able to put myself out there in the world. I am able to talk about the things that I've been through. I am able to see very clearly all of the experiences that I've had. I am able to heal from them. I am able to grow from them. I am able to make sure that I don't perpetuate them on others and that I don't project those fears and frustrations and sadnesses on my new relationships. So I'm grateful for the dream, as sad as it made me feel, as heavy as it made me feel, because it was very timely. I do need to let go of these narratives. I do need to let go of these things. I do need to let go of these images of my family members being monsters in my life. 
because they do not hold power over me the way that they did when I was a child and subject to their whims. Um, so that is that. That is the dream that I had last night and my interpretation of its symbolism of how it worked. There wasn't so much metaphor in the dream other than in the way that I looked, in the way the space around me looked, and in the way my family attempted to interact with me. Um, it was pretty, you know, straightforward and clear cut. And I very much enjoyed that uh, aspect of it. Uh, it doesn't always end up like that. Sometimes there's a lot of metaphor in my dreams and it takes a while to comb through everything so that I can see all the layers of what I'm being told in the story of that dream. So maybe next time we'll be able to dive into that. But I will definitely be returning with some thoughts about previous dreams and how they work, sharing some of the lessons that I learned from growing up in my dream state, uh, which some of those topics are diving into the psyche of the people that we're connected with in an energetic way and seeing glimpses of what they're going through in their world. Um, dreams about lessons, um, of interacting with spirit, uh, of guides, of learning balance and harmony within one's body, of being able to be lucid and remembering one's sovereignty, authority, and power in the dreamscape, and all sorts of things. Um, one particular dream I recall of learning how to recognize flavors when eating food in a dream, all kinds of things. So I will definitely return with all of that info but for now thank you so much for listening to this podcast thank you so much for listening to my dream to my story and i hope you have a beautiful 11 11 or wherever and whenever you are and speak soon love and light <laughs>